Welcome back to another episode of the Exterminatus Podcast, all things competitive in the world of Warhammer 40,000. My name's Eric, with me is my co-host Robert. Hello. And we are here, we've got lots to go over. Our first full weekend post-data slate, our first full weekend uh, post-LVO, and we've got some more follow-up from LVO as well, some of the questions we had from our last episode. But this happens to be a rather milestone episode for us. Wait a minute, I leveled up? You leveled up. Because last Check time I... out, we are at level 300. That's right, folks, our 300th episode. So if you're just catching us uh, over the last few weeks, uh, yeah, we've been doing this for a while now. So uh, pretty excited uh, that we've uh, stuck it out. It's kind of a, it's a big deal uh, for not only in the podcasting world. Most podcasts don't last more than a year. But um, I can't believe this podcast, yeah, we lasted longer than my last podcast, and I wasn't even the guy driving the boat. So that's kind of cool. <laughs> Well, when you put it like that, Eric, uh, one, it makes me feel like an old, old man. <laughs> and two, it makes me very, very happy that I could, that I can participate in the podcast in this wonderful, wonderful hobby that we both have. We're glad you're here. Uh, I want a quick thanks to also our, our previous hosts uh, along the way. Uh, first of all, I got to thank Ray for getting this whole thing started coming up with the original idea of doing this. Uh, thanks to Don Husen. Uh, um, Jim Vessel also was, uh, um, you know, I think the biggest thing with Jim at this point, he came on the show and was, he was clearly looking for something. At that point, we were like one of four shows he was doing at the time. And I can honestly say um, he seems happy. And I think that's one of the biggest things. There's so many different ways to be a part of this hobby. And I remember listening in on another influencer or content producer and they kind of said well is he even relevant anymore and so he is but he says you can be a big part of the co the community without winning every itc event so uh, i'm glad he found happiness um post our show and um so yeah uh then when we found robert mr enthusiasm and uh, honestly it, it gave me the injection to keep going because um Robert, if you hadn't come on the show, we probably wouldn't have made it to episode 240. So um, thank you for being here. Appreciate uh, all the help. And uh, thank you to all of the listeners as well who keep us going. Got quite a few questions from you guys this week, so we'll try to tackle those as we go through the show. But yeah, 300 episodes. Holy cow. So That's a lot of grats. We need more squigs. We need more squigs. Maybe even a servitor. I don't know. No, no, no. Just squigs. Just squigs? Okay. Yes, so a couple key things that came up. So one of the things I get all these emails all the time as a uh, TO who is rec a recognized TO from the Great Games Workshop. And in all seriousness, uh, one of the things I really feel bad about is I have not been able to attend any of the GW events. And apparently if you are a uh, recognized uh, tournament organizers, they have like a uh, like a meet and greet for lack of a better term. You know, and they always invite, hey, we'll be at this room in the hotel. Look forward to seeing you there. And I thought maybe it was just a networking meeting. I didn't think much of what was coming up or what was going on. Well, um, boy, did I miss it, not going to LVO this year. <laughs> so a couple of questions we came up with last week. GW is taking over the ITC. What does that mean? Uh, essentially, Ray hit it right on the nail, head on the head. Uh, nothing's going to change year one. You have the ITC, and you will do your events, and it'll end with uh, the 2025 Ooh, that's hard to say. 2025 Las Vegas Open, wherever it might be. It will be in Vegas, uh, supposedly, but we just don't know which hotel. Games Workshop will still be doing their golden ticket format. And um, they will kind of be two separate um, circuits, just like they were last year. So not much is going to change this year. Will that change in the future? We'll see. They're trying to work out all the kinks at this point. Next thing that came up was... Um, what does you know is there any major changes we you know what's going to with bcp well bcp made their big announcement that they're working on updating their software so at this point yeah bcp will be continuing to be the place where you find your itc scores it's uh, supposed to the frontline gaming website so that's something that we kind of expected uh, as expected as well one thing they wanted to make clear was it wasn't a games workshop did a hostile takeover of this. It was a very much a mutual agreement. Uh, Frontline Gaming was 
basically, hey, <laughs> we'd love to keep this going, but we, if someone else wants to take the ball and run with it, uh, we're more than happy to hand it off. So the, that's where the ITC uh, scoring system will be moving forward. Will there be more transparency in the future? Will there be changes to the scoring system? Not for the 2024 season. Um, we'll see what happens in 2025, how things shake up. But that's pretty much the uh, the big news that we may or may have missed at this point. We had a lot of questions going in. And that's what we missed. So there we go. Well, it's simply because more than half the time we're sleeping underneath a rock waiting to see what else happens <laughs> for all the stuff to calm down. But yeah, I didn't really expect much change to happen for this first year because why make such a drastic change on the first year of anything unless it's absolutely needed, right? That is, and some people still feel that there's there's some change. I mean, one of the biggest things, uh, can we can we clean up the faction or best in faction page? Um, I don't think anybody's going to win Dark Mechanicus this year unless there's the redacted codex is indeed Dark Mechanicus, which um, my vote is still Botan. But anyway. If they do introduce Dark Mechanicus... As a faction, I will cry first tears of sadness and then tears of joy. And then I will scream in pain as I go, no, why? And proceed to start buying a new army for my shelf. Yeah, I'm curious to see what it would look like if they did come out with it. But anyway, um, some people say it's hidden in plain sight. It's... uh, Bless a mega vote cultist with uh, forge fiends and mauler fiends. I'm like, uh, I'm kind of hoping for something a little bit more than that, but we'll see. That being said, uh, some other uh, nifty stuff uh, as we kind of joked, hey, all this new crew, are there no crew hounds coming out? Uh, hold my beer. <laughs> Indeed, plastic crew hounds. Plastic crew hounds that clearly have not skipped a uh, day at the gym. Holy cow, very different design. Yeah, instead of looking like a gigantic beak with legs, they actually look like a dog. Yeah, yeah, that's vulture-like, much more uh, mastiff-looking. So it's it's interesting the the change in design. Do not know how they function specifically in the rules, other than I believe if they get too far ahead of a group, they lose their OC or something like that. I'm trying to remember. There was some discussion about what some of the rules are, but. I'll have to see what else comes out. And clearly we have not seen the Crute model that was shown in silhouette uh, when they had that sneaky hidden preview. So be curious to see what that is when that finally comes up. Watch. <clears throat> Crute Ethereal. Okay, interesting. <laughs> it, it, it's the it's the melding point of the two armies. It's a Crute who has made his own cast of Tau. <laughs> interesting. <laughs> I'm not believing it, but okay. <laughs> hey, man, it's Tau. You can't believe anything they say because they're blue fish people. They're not technically fish people. It's just that the Imperials use fish terms to describe their vehicles. They're actually born on a desert, a planet. <laughs> they are blue fish people. <laughs> oh, my God. Movie, speaking of blue, uh, you may have picked this up in the, world, in the sports ball world. That's a Don Hoosen term. But uh, one of the largest sports, actually probably the largest sport in all of America, and the world for that matter, is uh, soccer. Uh, everywhere else in the world that calls it football. They're adding a new wrinkle to their penalty system. Uh, currently, they use yellow card for warnings, red card, which means you've gotten too many warnings. It's time for you to leave, in which case the pl- player is kicked out, but also the team is now not allowed to replace them. So that means they're playing with one fewer player on the field for the remainder, is what I'm trying to say, of the game. They are now adding a new card, a blue card, which that sort of in between the two, in which case you either A, have gotten a warning, or that was egregious enough that you do not get a warning, you will be penalized. But instead of being kicked out for the entire game, you're kicked out for 10 minutes of the game. So that's roughly 10% of the uh, length of the entire game. Why am I bringing this up? Well, if you remember, our rules of conduct are based off of the soccer rules. So, Robert, if you were devising your own rules of conduct, 
what offenses and how would you enforce a blue card type penalty in the world of 40k? Well, that would fall into states like, let's say, you and your opponent are having a minutiae disagreement over a line of sight bit. Okay, well, how tight is this line? Literally two millimeters wide. Can either of you guys see in either direction? Oh, but I might be able to see this. No, not might. Do you? If you can't tell me yes, then both of you are going to lose five minutes of your time and your game's not going to move. (laughs) That's the way it sounds like to me. Interesting, because there is at the current conduct, there are time penalties as well as points penalties. One thing I was never clear on is that points off of your game score or your ITC points that you're earning for the event. I was never quite clear on that. Um, for example, so there's there's there is already precedent. It's just never it's never truly explained. Could you, if you're penalized for time, penalized for or for point shaving, is that a yellow card? Was that a red card offense? Because red card right now is you're kicked out of the tournament. And usually most people that are kicked out of the tournament are it's because they're hitting their second yellow. And mm-hmm. so I'm just trying to think, okay, what is a blue event? Actually, I'm going to try and look this up, see if I can find. Oh, because the, the little bit that I understand of football using a blue card now is it's a, we warned you, but you haven't crossed the line yet, but we're hoping to reel you back in. Yeah. Yeah. So that's why in my theory for 40 K, if you were to issue a, a blue penalty or something like that, it would not only affect you as the player that was making the issue, it would also affect your opponent because of the fact that, Initially, it's a, well, both of you guys are wasting time not agreeing on something. And this could have been agreed on if you had just called over a judge for an unbiased opinion, and then you move on. Instead of arguing for 10 minutes and making a scene at the table. Okay. That's the most direct way that I can translate it from the soccer example. But it's really hard to actually picture a specific um, penalty that would accrue not being removed from the event, but bad enough that it forces you to not be able to play. Yeah, so here we go. I'm reading the... A foul is defined as an action taken by a player that violates the spirit of the game, the rules of the game, and or the guidelines set forth in this document. Uh, speeding ahead uh, there are two categories yellow card and red card a judge is freely apply whatever penalty he or she feels necessary yellow cards are often given as non-disqualifying offenses yellow cards are indication of a foul has taken place and a yellow card is accompanied by an appropriate penalty such as a removal of victory points for the offending player victory points correct me along i'm trying to remember this document is three years old that's no, those are battle points. So that would be, yeah, the end of the, uh, your ITC points. Uh, a player who receives an additional yellow or red card after the first is automatically disqualified for the event. So here we go. When a judge has decided a foul occurred and the, a yellow card is issued to the defending player, along with the yellow card, a penalty is assessed to the player. The judge will remove points from the offending player's score between 5 and 20 points depending on the infraction. Some of these points are up to the judge's discretion. Uh, incorrectly submitting a list could be a 20-point deduction. Unsupposed to conduct is a 20-point induction. Uh, dice infraction, it's kind of big. Uh, mismeasurement issues, illegally moving, placing models, misplaying a rule, all are 10-point penalties. Misrepresenting a rule to your opponent is 20, plenity, 20 points of a penalty. Slow play clock, slow play on the clock, and ankle shooting are also twenty points. Huh. Uh, there's then the red card can lead to either a game disqualification, 
which would be you just zero out for that game, and then event disqualification, in which case you zero out for the event. And then further after that, if you um, you may be banned further from there. So what I'm trying to figure out is when they say victory index of terms, here we go. What is a victory point versus battle points? Make sure I'm not getting this mixed up. Well, because if it's to take away victory points, the victory points is specifically for how you achieve the winning game state. The battle points is your just total score along with whatever the equation is for best coast pairings to submit how much that event is worth to your ranking. That's the way that I split them up. Okay. Let's see if there's anything that goes along with that. So, But yeah, it's surprising how many things that they have in there that are just a yellow card offense with some kind of extra penalty. Most of those... Um, most of those game-based ones where it's like misremembering a rule, um, dice infraction, which I'm assuming is can be as vague as not rolling out a dice tray or not re-rolling a cock die. <laughs> uh, yeah, it's interesting. Yeah, those dice infractions or rolling a die before the other um, the player saw the initial result. I mean, that's some other ones that are pretty popular. Yeah, it, for stuff like that, if they want to be able to enforce those, then they're going to have to put a dice tray at every single table and say, if you don't roll in this tray, it don't count. It's something we actually considered when we were planning our event uh, a couple times. Uh, other th there were a few years it got cheating was so rampant that the good news is, as a door prize, you got a block of dice. The bad news is, you must use those dice in the event to ensure that everybody is playing with the uh, correct, unadulted dice. So, yeah. yeah, I honestly think with the next um, local event that I run, since I only have enough space for ten players at the moment, I think I have enough dice trays to go. Yeah, nah. We're going to test this out. You guys are my guinea pigs. All of you are going to roll in a single tray. If it's not in the tray, it don't count, and you re-roll it. Now, as I'm reading the examples in this, the point deduction is your game score. For example, if you did not submit your list, uh, it's mm -hmm. an automatic yellow card, and you receive a 20-point deduction on your round one's game score. Hmm. That's interesting. I don't remember that part being part of it. By the way, I like the idea of the dice tray. It, it definitely just makes life. We're the only hooligans in miniature gaming that don't use a dice tray. So if you go to historical gamers, they only use dice trays and towers. And the idea of us rolling all over the table is just asinine to them. So, Well, when you also sit there and go, um, hey, scatter die. Oops. Oh, <laughs> you had to bring up the scatter die. Yes, yes, I did it. Because <laughs> I'm that guy, Eric. Mm. Yeah, so all these point deductions are actually towards your game. So, interesting. Okay. So you can actually lose your game by <laughs> being a goofball. Interesting. Yeah. I... I don't think people remember the points deductions simply because of the fact that all that ever matters is the yellow card or not. Sometimes a person can get a yellow card and then win the game anyway, even with a points deduction. True. Because the score just got so rampantly high that they just outpaced their opponent anyway. Interesting. I don't know. This is something that came up. I was like, hmm, blue card. Okay, what does that mean? So, yeah, in addition to points deduction, you're looking at the runoff of your clock. I think that'd be interesting. So, Yeah, I, I want to say the running of the clock is 
the most direct impact that you can do to anyone at the table because it makes them actually go, oh, I did this, so I'm losing even more time. Right. And now I cost my opponent time as well, which, yeah, could be used, could be weaponized if you if you really, really angle shoot it. Mm-hmm. But the way I see it is if you try to angle shoot the use of a penalty card, that itself is going to go, yeah, no, red card out. <laughs> you are weaponizing judges. So, anyway, more ammo to see as that comes down the pike. Be curious to see if the, how much that changes. Um, game you know but anyway just interesting to kind of review this but the other thing i'm looking at this document is from 2021 um it probably could use a bit of a uh, refresh so well that's gonna be games workshop jobs now yep so see how they handle that as well uh all right so speaking of that so we this our first full weekend of post data slate Let's see what people are bringing and see what's what's cooking in terms of the new meta. Well, I think we're going to start over in England because, you know, they live in the future and whatnot. Indeed. And they said the be- their meta is three months ahead of the U.S. So Meh, maybe, maybe not. Although we are slowly picking up their terrain, though. <laughs> mm. good. Yeah. Yeah. You know, that's funny. Um it's probably a discussion for another time, but uh, have we seen the last of player plays terrain? So interesting. Sip. So we start at the beachhead brawl, <laughs> a whopping 163 players. Yowza. <sighs> and the top cut looks something. Nope, that's the roster. I need placings or computer work with me here. So the top five cut is something like this. We have Mr. Alex Harrison. Playing back, playing Black Templars. Okay. Then Ben Woodencock playing Custodes. Liam Calabout. I hope I didn't butcher that last name. Playing Dark Angels. Jay Jay Sabaran playing Dark Angels as well. And then the person who took the event is Martin Cooper playing Imperial Guard. Well, one thing that I've heard a lot of people say is Imperial Guard actually plays much better on the WTC-style terrain, so I'd be curious if that's what they were using at this particular event. Um, most European countries are using those, so that'd be close to seeing that. So, what has he got on the list? Well, his list doesn't seem promising. It's Chaff and More Chaff is what it's called. So, it's Gaunt's Ghosts, so big old fancy character brick. Stupid guy on a horse, a platoon command squad, a tank commander, Ursula Creed. One, two, three, four units of catch and jungle fighters, a single unit of Death Corps of Krieg, a basilisk, three Bulgren squads, a Kasserkin unit, some some Medusa carriage batteries. <laughs> oh, some deep cuts there. Okay. Um, a Rogaldorn and a Calidus. Okay, it's not so chaff heavy as I thought, because they're referencing Ray's game from the last local tournament. The guy brought two hundred and ninety bodies. It's still a lot. I'm trying to remember yeah. what the uh, Medusas do again. That's... Well, it's a carriage battery, and they're only one hundred ten points. So I think it's like the little, um, not thunderfire cannon things. Hmm. I'm trying to remember if they're like the heavy. There's one that's like a Gatling gun, and there's one that's like a regular, like more anti-vehicle type gun. So I'm trying to remember which one it is. So, but yeah, no. Um, looking at everything here, it's if it can be brought in a minimum size squad. It's a minimum size squad. Like all the Bulgrins are only three bodies. The Death Corps units only ten man. Each of the Cash hands is only ten man. Like. He did not jump up any unit sizes at all. Interesting. All right. And he said he, the number two two list or second place player was Dark Angels. Yep. 
But the internet told me their codex is trash. How is this possible? Well, let's see. When it has Azriel, a lieutenant with a combi weapon, a tech, two tech marines, double lancer, an infiltrator squad, a dark shroud, two redemptor dreadnoughts, a scout unit, certain guard vets, a storm speeder thunder strike, and a storm raven gunship. That's a lot of big, fast-moving bullets. <laughs> Interesting. Curious how he's playing the Storm Raven. I know Innis um, was running something similar to that, and uh, but I don't remember if he was flying it in or was it still in hover mode. So that one I couldn't tell you. I couldn't tell you either because until the until I own a custodian flyer, I will never put a plane on a table again. <laughs> Also knows that our local RTTs, uh, one of the players brought in um, four flyers. I was like, yeah, that's an interesting take. So, But yes, this is a very healthy showing for what the first full weekend of the new data site actually looks like for us. Because then just behind it, you have Necrons, Admech, Votan, more Necrons, and then Black Templars all the way down to 10th. So not a single drop of Eldar in sight. Yeah, it's kind of surprised Necrons weren't higher up, but they are uh, still pretty high up there. So they just missed things. And um, but I am a little surprised by Admech. So I'm going to take a quick peek at that because nobody talks about Admech. So let's take a quick look. It is a Rad Zone Core detachment. Uh, includes Skatari Marshal, two Tech Priest Manipolis, a Vanguard Squad of Five, Second Vanguard Squad of Five, Catafron Breachers, uh, Six Strong, with Heavy Arc Rifle and Hydraulic Claw, uh, the Sky Stalkers, One, Two, Three, Iron Strider Balasari, One, Two, Three, Stegonian Dragoons with Teaser Lance, and then Two Scorpius Dune Riders and a Calidus Assassin. So that is 18 chickens. Oh my god. Yeah, I didn't realize that that is units of three that I'm looking at. Holy yep. crap. And those bricks of Skidari Vanguard are each ten bodies. Oh, they are? Yeah. It's... I see that. And the Vanguard ones are the guys who make uh, Objective Sticky, so they're the ones probably going in the transports. So. Yeah, this this list very much is the... We got a lot of fairly cheap powerful guns that we can throw around the Bellastari are f way faster moving than the breachers and the the dragoons are a really annoying melee unit because yeah taser just sustained hits something in combat or something it's it can be all over the place that's mm. really the way I see it Interesting. Well, there you go. Beachhead Brawl 2024. Robert, where are we going to next? Well, we're going to go to Canada. We're going to take a visit to the Ottawa Winter Open. And the top five cut is... So, this event did score it as differential. So, mind the odd-looking numbers. But in fifth place, we have Alice Braithwaite with Demons. In fourth place is Zach Camo with Tau Empire. In third place is Chris Haynes with Custodes. In second place is Will Paul, also with Custodes. And in first place is John Winter Russell, also with Imperial Guard. Wow, Imperial Guard starting to make a, some noise today, this weekend. What's going on here? Uh, yeah, that's interesting because the so he has roughly the same hq units he has one extra hq in the death core marshal but instead of having all of the katachans he has one massive brick of death core of krieg and then one backup brick then some rough riders a single basilisk two units of kashkin manticore manticore some sentinels and scions, so not as enough, ch not as much chaff to go around, but still 
a lot of bodies. Yeah. Hope he's got some movement trays. Yeah. I mean, the Scions start off the table. So, and I'll take a look at those custodes list later. Don't need to hear me gush about those. <laughs> and I accidentally closed our other event. I'm totally professional. I need to find them. <laughs> I know it was in Florida, though. That's good. And it's oh, while I'm searching this up, I can actually inform you on my first game with updated custodes since they kind of went away. Okay. I was playing into Canoptic Court and it was a very interesting game. Yeah, I'm about to say the Canoptic Court probably doesn't hurt you, but you can't they're equally robust, so I'm curious to just kind of sit there and smack each other. <laughs> well, in the actual gameplay we ended up it was on mission a of leviathan packet so no crazy stuff and we ended up taking exactly the same secondaries because we both wanted to do the same thing interesting okay so i'm staring down 18 race i'm i was play testing a list with Hear me out. 15 Wardens. Okay. And just god dang. <laughs> Pillow fights four days. <laughs> Except for um, when my, my single custodian guard unit went into a wreath unit. Shot it twice, did melee, got it down to like one wraith in a single round of combat. And it's just, yeah, that happened because die rolls exist. It is a dice game. Mm -hmm. Where did this Florida event go? I know I found it once before. Gosh darn it. <laughs> I, I think it was in like Seminole, Florida. That's where I vaguely remember seeing it. But, yeah, no, otherwise, that game was very, very close for the most part. I squeaked it out by eight points, 79 wow. to 71. The more important thing was, is it was a practice game for my opponent because they're going into a team event over the next couple of weeks, and he wanted to see how his matchup how his matchup went hmm. with Custodes into the Necrons. And yeah, no, he went, nope, nope, never want to do this matchup again. This is abysmal. <laughs> this isn't a fun game for either of us. It's interesting. Because of the... Wow, did I seriously just lose this event? Gosh, darn it. Way to go, me being a professional podcaster in episode 300. Now, interesting, I mean, it's also a big game for you because for us locally here, we've got a tournament on RTT this Sunday and our uh, Spring League actually starts this Friday. Indeed, it does. The I know the local event that was here, uh, a nice, healthy collection of players that plays there, some really strong contenders. I love playing against them when I get the chance. I need to go up there more often now that I talk about it. Are you looking for the February bash by the beach? Yeah, I I, I have That's no idea. I, I I'm just <laughs> duh. <laughs> well, anyway, your top five for that particular event. You have Ryan Nolan coming in fifth with Adeptus Mechanicus. What is this? I was told that they are the worst army in the entire 40k. Has the internet lied to me again? And then Joshua Grosssickle with Necrons, Blair Dunham with Black Templar, Patrick Wiley with Adeptus Sororitas, and Tyler Oten with Deathgar was able to claim the event being the sole undefeated player of the event. Ooh. Even with Deathgar getting that, what I assumed was a 
a nerf in this recent data slate. Yep, let's see what he did here. He's got two Biologus Purifiers, a two Foul Blight Spawn, plus Mortarian and Typhus. And he's got a, looks like a 10 man, oh, bigger than, yeah, looks like a 10 man block of brick of Plague Marines, a second brick to go with that. Two Rhinos, a Foated Bloat Drone, two Plague Burst Crawlers, one, two Nurglings, and two Wardog Brigands. Yep, there's the brigands. The brigands always help out so, so much in the range game and the movement game. But they're 170 points each now. So. Yeah. And then the second place sisters list, uh, pretty much unchanged what we've seen pre-data slate. Be curious how it functions a little bit differently, though. Uh, characters include Junith, Morgan Vall, and the Palantine. We've got two units of uh, battle sisters, two rhinos, Three large blocks of Archiflagellants, uh, ten man, ten each. Three Castiganators, a unit of Paragon War Suits, uh, Seraphim Squad, excuse me, three Seraphim Squads, and a Sisters Novitiate. Those are the uh, Kill Team ones, right? The Scout-looking guys? Yeah, the Novitiates were the, like, melee battle Sisters squad. Got it. This is how I remember them. And just for giggles here, I want to see if there's any difference between the last AdMech list we looked at. And it's already different. Cool. It's a, uh, right off the bat, we're doing the Archaeotech Expeditionary Force. So a slightly different uh, detachment featuring Skitari Marshall, Tech Priest Dominus, a Tech Priest Manipulus, and a Techno Archaeologist. Easy for me to say. One unit of Rangers, one unit of Vanguard, two units of Vanguard. So I think I got it wrong last time. The Rangers are the ones that are sticky. The Vanguard ones are the ones that they uh, reduce your opponent's OC if they get within a certain range. I forgot what that was. I think it's like three or six inches or something like that. Yeah, it's like pretty that. short. Yeah, it's definitely like, I'm not touching you. I'm not touching you, but I am affecting you. But you're touching. Oh, that's the one I found. It was the Grand Onslaught 7. We'll get to that sec. Yeah. Awesome. Uh, <laughs> two Dune Riders in this list. Uh, Corpusari Electro Priests. I can never remember. Are those the shooty ones or are those the close combat ones? I can never remember. Um, the Electro Priests are the close combat ones, I believe. Okay. Uh, the, oh, nope. These are Electrostatic Gauntlets. These are the shooty ones. Okay. Catafron Breachers featuring six heavy arc rifles and hydraulic claws. Uh, one unit of Sky Stalkers. One unit of Sterilizers. Two units of Raiders one unit of infiltrators and only two units of dragoons for a total of four and then he also brought in two warmager warglaves good god how much could they pack into a list well seeing as almost every single one of those units is either <clears throat> less than 100 points or less than 150 points you can squeeze in a lot of it yeah the catapult breaches are 290 everything else is under 100 the sterilizers are 130, like 60, 70, 70, 80. The characters are like in the 40s. That's insane. Yep. Wow. All right, then. Beware, AdMech is coming. Depending on how good they do is up to, <laughs> realistically, the pilot and whether or not people can figure them out. Yeah. I really like that attachment. I know it's it's the one that gives you all kinds of bonus. Basically, you in your top. Of, I can't remember if it's in your command phase or at the top of the turn. You choose a a primary objective, and you go. That's the one we really, really want. And basically, mm -hmm. every time I shoot it, I get bonuses. Or if you shoot me while I'm on it, I get bonuses as well. So it's it's very much designed to. I'm here to play the primary game, and I will trade. And it would not trade fairly. So. Mm -hmm. so, to go to our actual Florida yeah, the real event. Florida I, event. <laughs> yeah, whoops. It was the Grand Onslaught 7 down in Seminole, Florida. With a nice, healthy 56 players. With a lot of familiar names. Really? In yep. Florida? Unbelievable. I mean... There's only a kind of a house down there. They do 40k all the time. 
anyway, the top five round out to be uh, Mike Muzeni playing Sisters. Then fourth place is Robert Hawkins also playing Sisters. In third place is Cat Gavin Kahn also playing Sisters. What? In second place, one of the two undefeated scores was John Lennon going in with his Tyranids. And then to top it all off is Jack Harpster. Uh, okay. So I think it's a an issue on BCP's end because when you click on Jack Harpster's faction, he's playing World Eaters. So Gavin was actually playing Necrons. Robert Hawkins was actually playing Salamanders. And then Mike Muzeni was actually playing Thousand Sons. Yeah. BCP's been acting weird all day. We, have, we were doing some preliminary homework before the show and noticed even a couple events weren't even finished yet. We're like, how is that possible? So, so yeah. Harpster's World Eaters list. Um, it looks like he was chasing after a meme of sorts or literally just bringing six data sheets. It's exactly what you think it is. It's Angron. It's Lord Invocatus. It's one group of jackals. Some normal 8-bound, then lots of exalted 8-bound. Okay, he threw a original list, and it's uh, about the size of a corn lord of skulls. Yeah, I've been hearing that a lot. And then four chaos spawn. Hmm, interesting. Okay. That is new. So in total, it's a whopping 6-12 exalted 8-bound. And then three normal eight bound. Yeah. That list is extremely efficient if it touches anything. It will explode. Yeah, we'll be good at screening. And because the footprint on that army is fairly small, I think that's going to be a problem. <laughs> I would not run into World Eaters in the new edition, so at least post data slate. So I'm curious to see how they. I've been kind of like prepping for it, like knowing this is coming sooner or later. So don't mind me focusing. <laughs> um, I'm. We might as well do a market watch because I check this every Sunday while we're recording this. Uh, Land Raiders are back in stock. <laughs> yeah. But yes, congratulations to Mr. Harpster on the win. I know there was some talk of the the Art of War guys not exactly enjoying 40k right now and being a little burnt out, so they are... But I know they were also in the process of moving, so it's good to see that they're starting to come back for the start of this season. I don't know how many of them are actually going to try and play. But it will definitely be fun to see what kind of stuff they come up with in this new data slate. Yeah. It's funny. I've listened to two separate shows and um, players that you, who we know as being both WTC players and top-ranked players have already gotten in 10 to 15 games since the data slate has dropped. Dang. Talk about commitment. Yeah. So part of me is like, so when you hear like Robert say, oh, they might be a little burned out before you go, oh... You know, the, the, the world is clean. These guys play a lot <laughs> to, to get all these matchups correct. So, Yeah, and that's something that I'm hoping to start doing this week for the league is I want to try and churn out at least three games this week. Yeah, I'm trying to want to get at least one practice game in prior to the RTT this Sunday. I just don't see it happening. So I'm just like, uh well, are you free Saturday? I don't know yet. So that's the only, because the biggest thing, um, if I do have free Saturday, how much terrain do I still need to get finished so we can actually have the event? I mean, I'm more than willing to hell. Yeah, so I may have to uh, recruit you for that. So I take payment in a game of 40k. Sounds good to me. Alright, what's our next event? Uh, that was the only other one that I found. Awesome. <laughs> I swear I didn't lose any others. Yeah. 
So, yeah, this little Valentine's Day thing coming up uh, middle of the week kind of puts a crimp in some of the hobby time. So, occasionally, if you both do the hobby, then it's like, hey, guess what? I got you a model. I got you paint. <laughs> yeah, some pretty cool stuff there. So, anyway, so trends that we're seeing actually here's a thought i mean what are you thinking of in your list design for this upcoming season for our uh, especially for our league well because of custodians getting back some of their well there's no sugar coating it they got back the bit of durability that i was missing and infantry bricks are still good i think my terminator list as fun as it is doesn't have enough gas to hold the line so i think it's going to be going back to either here's a lot of custodian guard or here's a lot of wardens because the wardens make it you incredibly durable whereas the custodian guard are just efficient because of you know the rerolls that we still have before they take them away i know they're going to be taken away <laughs> interesting okay I'm just being a pessimist. <laughs> so no Dawn Eagle bikes in your plan as well? Well, there is a there is a plan to try out a bike skew for a list or two. Like maybe not have them be league games or something like that. Mm -hmm. But see how a skew of them do. And if a skew doesn't work out, then potentially bringing in like one to two units of them in place of uh, like a Caladius or something like it's the points are there and I want to try them, but it's also really hard for me to pivot away from my infantry bricks. Mm. And to bring up a good point, I am running into a very similar issue with my list as well. And, um, Two things. I fall into two traps. One, pivoting away from, well, this is this is me. This is my army. This is my identity as a player. And um, it's a unit that hasn't been particularly, it's popular, but I'm taking, I'm leaning so far into it. It's definitely not that um, efficient at all. And um, I've played enough games to know, guess what? It's not going to get, it's not getting any better, especially with the new detachment. So now I'm running into the, I'm coming in with an idea. And I'm like, shop trying to be the cool snowflake and get some games in so you can understand how this army functions now post-data slate. And God forbid, I actually win a couple games for once. <laughs> so, um, so that's where I'm kind of like flummoxed at this point. Although I did come up with a list idea and I ran it by a couple people with, uh, in the know and they kind of went, I like where you're going with that. How's that going to work? Let me know when you get some games in. And I've been going, like, when am I going to get some games in before this tournament? Oh, no. Because <laughs> <laughs> well, what is what is the idea you have spitballed? And have I heard it before? So the first biggest thing is, yes, I'm going to go into the Sky Splitter detachment. It just looks like a lot more fun. And it's kind of the first thing is that I think I'd be enjoying myself with a, with a better army. But I think that's part of the problem is most of my, my army was jet bikes and vehicles. And the new detachment favors infantry coming out of transports. So now I'm like, okay, I already had Incubi in my old unit, old army. So instead of one unit, I have two. I have Archons instead of Drazar. And, uh, I've definitely been paying attention to a lot of battle reports. And they're saying before you go hog wild with all kinds of assault elements in MSU, beware you're going to run out of pain tokens very, very quickly. So I'm like, okay. So now I have a very thin focus on these are my assault units. Everything else needs to be kind of pain token agnostic to be functional. And um, the craziest part of the list is, in addition to large blocks of Incubi, are large blocks of Grotesque. 
So basically, I'm looking at is what are the Drakari equivalent to eight bound? That'd be grotesque. So they have the ability to go through ruins because they're infantry, and um, their OC is only one, so they're not going to be like good objective objective stealers. But they um, they're coming at base strength five with four attacks. Their AP I want to say minus two, and then if I put a pain token on them, they pop up to three, which and two damage. So a lot of power armor can fall to them. I think. They could be pretty good. And of course, they have a pilot field of pain and a four up uh, fight on death in melee. Oh, so just in case, let's say you're playing against me, you send your grotesques in, I fight first, you can potentially bring some guys down with you. Yep. Hmm. Oh, and I forgot to mention everybody in the unit has a uh, flamer. Okay, so <laughs> basically, never overwatch you. <laughs> will never charge into you unless I'm behind a wall. Good old times. True. Uh, also, I mean, I'm learning very quickly. Even you can overwatch people in the end of their movement phase. Yeah, before they line uh-huh. up, some shooting. All right, where'd you go? Zap. Yep. That's that is the reason why when I think about my termineers for my custodes, I do. I've been chatting with another local guy here, and. The potential of bringing the Aqualon Terminators is actually growing in popularity because they get access to flamers. Oh. And they also have a slightly higher strength melee weapon. They don't have the rerolls like the Aloras do, but it's, uh, you know take the trade off of having a flamer versus not having a flamer right yeah that's one thing i learned the hard way was uh overwatch incredibly powerful and um it's again not just for blocking charges anymore you know you can use it a lot so i was like oh neat mm-hmm. um but i kind of a little overly focused on being able to kill a satan because i was expecting that could be an issue with necrons and my army's not very good at that Taking the vehicles, not satan. Yeah, that is generally something that I see being a problem for everyone, including my custodians. If something goes minus one damage, like minus one damage or cut damage in half, has a high toughness and a decent and or a decent save, most people aren't going to be able to chew through that as effectively as some other armies. I know I got really lucky being able to chew through as many wraiths as I did. But as soon as the Void Dragon and the Nightbringer existed on the table, I looked at my resources and I went, I can only kill one of these. I cannot take down both. Wow. Because even with Trajan going in and being unmodified against the Void Dragon, he still has his invulns. He still has feel no pains and that's a lot of attacks that have to go in and get through multiple saves yeah he also has a damage reduction too well while trajan is leading the unit they can't reduce my damage oh there you go but that's trajan's unit specifically if it was any other unit then yes i'm sitting here swinging at strength seven with one damage attacks that's why I'm, i'm still very much attached to bringing my Cleus Grav Tanks or Land Raiders, where I just have the big guns that can poke big holes in things like Catan, given not very effectively, but still right. poke a big hole. Uh, yeah, I'm doing the opposite, trying to drown them in how many damage one wounds. Just be like, okay, make 70 saves. Well, and that's touching on the the term the oops all terminators list that's something that the Aloris terminators actually do fairly well into Catan. it's because with the grenades and the axes you put out a solid number of shots all of it's going to be one damage all of it's going to be ap minus one it's not going to do a whole lot but it'll make your opponent fail saves 
and it'll just be bink, 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 bink. And then hopefully by that time, whether you charge the Catan or not, the Catan is down to like five or six, like four or five wounds. And then the Terminators just sit in, just pile in all 30 something attacks. Right. Let's uh, try to gauge that out. It's out of no, you know, will that be enough? Will that work? Do I need to be targeting something else? I don't know. That's what I'm just looking at that. But yeah, the days of, uh, you know, sniping it out with the Dark Lance, especially my army, uh, not, not the case with being able to have out damage. I was like, ooh, we need a new approach. Well, I mean, if you brought Talos, you might be fine. I'm trying to remember if that they... I remember if it was a Satan or not. That did happen, where the Talos got into it. Remember, the first time it worked out fine. The second time was against the Paragon Warsuits next to St. Catherine. And really, this is how broken that combo is. That was just ridiculous. Oh, my God. I lost the Talos. Yeah. The Talos got picked up. I was like, what the... But yeah, no, it the meta is definitely shifting away from high lethality big guns all the time to now more of a mixed field where people are actually trying to play the missions more actively. So you're seeing more chaff units show up. You're seeing more uh, more copies of those units show up. That's true. Instead of just, I got the biggest set of guns. I mean, people still play that way. But anyway, we'll see what uh, how that shakes up as we get closer in. And I'm so tempted to see what some other people in our local area what they're going to be bringing uh, for our league as well as uh, Sunday's RGT. So a couple of people have army hopped completely. So yep, it's a shame that I wasn't fast enough to sign up for uh, this event this Sunday. But oh well, I'm sure there's a. Mark's been running quite a few events there, and as well as the league as well. So, I think there'll be there'll be no shortage of games for you coming up soon. So, yeah. All right. Anything else to cover tonight? Eh, no, not not that I have on my page. Excellent. That is, yeah, episode 300, big milestone for us. I hope you guys enjoyed it. As always, you can get a hold of us. Both on our Facebook page as well as our Instagram. In the meantime, my name's Eric. I'm Robert. And thank you for listening to the Extreme Honest Podcast. Hey, listeners, this is Raymond with the Extreme Honest Podcast here to talk to you about KR cases. If you're like me and you're constantly looking for that better way to store your armies, then look no further than KR cases. That's right, this is the foam company known for their soft blue foam in cardboard cases. They're a great way to mix and match whenever you're heading out for that next tournament. You can just swap out those boxes and no need to worry about switching the foam in and out. They're sturdy. The boxes help protect your models and if you when you order, they come fast, the order is right, and for a better price than the other guy. So go to krcases.com and when you place your order, be sure to mention the Exterminatus Podcast. So, friends, I have a very, very important question. Is your beer keg boring? Does it not have enough tentacles coming out of it? Does it not taste as funny as you remember because you didn't put a tear in it? Well, the wonderful makers of the Necro Nom 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 to replace your average pizza, decided to come out with a, another book of the Lovecraft Cock. So they're from reddukegames.com, and it will guide you through 78 different kinds of cocktails to summon a demon, summon a space bug. Who knows? Either way, it's going to be a very, very wonderful time, and we would highly recommend that you try to not ingest too many while at the gaming table because we don't know exactly what's going to happen when you roll Perils of the Warp or you roll a natural one on your persuasion check if you decide to play in So if you're looking for fanciful drinks, go ahead and grab the Lovecraft Cocktails by the Mad Men at RedDukeGames.com, the makers of the Necro Nom Nom. 
Are you a gamer that has more bare plastic than you have time to paint? Do paintbrushes spontaneously combust when you hold them? If either of these is true, contact White Crow Studios and get your models painted by a college-trained professional painter. You can contact Bo at whitecrow.commissions at gmail.com and view his previously painted models at White Crow Studios on Facebook.